everyone. Uh, welcome to my bonus episode of How We Get By. Because I really wanted to talk about some of the things that I've used, the tools that I've used to help me with anxiety. I have a lot of, I've dealt with a lot of mental health struggles, uh, throughout my life, but I will say that anxiety is probably the one that I've experienced the most. And when you have anxiety, um, it's such an uncomfortable feeling. For me, sometimes it's just all day, and it took me a long time in therapy to even understand how my thoughts were affecting my anxiety because if you haven't been taught how some of your thoughts work and how maybe your mind can warp the data that your brain is receiving and making it into something that it's not. It's hard to explain but I will say that I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. That was probably my first diagnosis. And I do, I can say now that there are days that I don't have anxiety, uh, which is amazing that I can say that. But the problem with anxiety is that everybody on the outside can tell you things are okay and they can offer you their solutions and It becomes really frustrating because the anxious person already knows everything that anybody else can tell them. If you ever felt anxious, then you wanted to do anything you could to get rid of the anxious feeling. So if to get rid of that feeling was as simple as just listening to your friend tell you that you have nothing to be worried about, well, I don't think any of us would have anxiety. But it's not that easy. And it took me a really long time to learn that. And I tend to forget sometimes that other people don't have the tools that I have had in therapy and haven't learned the coping mechanisms that I have. And so I wanted to release a bonus episode this week because I recognize that with the... COVID-19 virus, that there are a lot of people experiencing anxiety that maybe haven't before. And then the people who already have anxiety, well, bless your soul. (laughs) It's an anxious time, but I wanted to provide my, a few of my perspectives on how you can handle your anxiety. So, It's a little bit complicated, and I hope that I can do justice to this topic in the setting that I have without the, without being able to show you what I'm talking about. So I recommend that you get a uh, sheet of paper out or a notebook. I'm trying to get my pieces of paper, but they're under a bunch of stuff. Here we go. So, yeah, I suggest if you want to take notes, you can take notes. I don't really care. 
Uh, but I am going to give some information that may be hard to remember. Also, I use writing. And so, yeah, this is going to involve some writing, but it could be fun. It's not, don't get daunting. I'm not asking you to write five pages on how you feel. Just, just follow along and see how you feel. But what I've learned through therapy is that, um, so if you think about anxiety, you might think of like heart palpitations or your stomach gets upset or you can't breathe. Those are the physical symptoms, but before we get to the feelings of anxiety, there's a thought that creates it. And if you don't believe that there's a thought that creates it, the your anxiety, or you think that you can't find the thought that is creating your anxiety. There is one. And it's normal that you don't know what it is if you don't. Because a lot of times, because we don't know these skills and we don't know how to handle our anxiety, it just becomes a constant stream of information. And so... If you want to think about fake news and real news, we're all, I hope, training at this point to learn the difference between credible sources and sources that aren't credible. And that's what I'm going to hopefully teach you a little bit about today in your own mind. Philosophically, I do believe that what we see in our outside world can also be mirrored in our inside world. So just as we have to filter the information that comes in through our ears and decide, hey, is this for my best interest? Is this correct? Is this the truth? Is this person telling me the truth? Blah, blah, blah. What's good? What's bad? Whatever. We have to do that with our own thoughts too, which is something maybe we haven't been taught enough. So if you believe everything that your mind tells you, you're going to have anxiety. Because your mind is going to try to, if there is a threat, your mind is going to try to tell you that there's a threat. So your mind isn't going to know, you know, okay, say with this virus and a thought comes into your mind. Oh my God, what if I get it? What if I get it and what if my mom gets it? Blah, 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 blah. Your mind doesn't know that that thought isn't real, Right? So it just feels the thought and it's like, oh, fuck, what if my mom is sick, you know? And then all of a sudden you already have the stomach pain. You already have the anxiety of it. So my goal is to try to teach you to think a little bit more critically about the way you're thinking. <laughs> and the um, and if we can kind of uh, dissect our thoughts and take in that information when we have that thought, oh, my God, what if my mom has it? Okay. Does she have it now? No. All right. So it's slowing things down. But if you haven't done that for a while or ever, it's not that easy. So I'm going to teach you a little bit about what's called some cognitive distortions. And there's quite a few of them. Basically, what these are, 
and I've been, um, over the years, I have a little nice folder on Dropbox with self-therapy tools, so when I'm off track, I can look at this stuff and kind of get back on track. If anybody wants access to any of the um, worksheets or things that I've come over or come across over the years, I would love to share it with you. Um, I'm always in the spirit of teaching people what I know because I understand anxiety. I understand how it feels. Sometimes I have it even now, um, a lot of times, but these tools have been really helpful for me. I'm going to tell you something. In our life, it is so easy. It's so, so, so easy. And this is really important to me. It is so easy for us to ignore this, okay? So for me to sit here and say, get out a sheet of paper, write this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a lot of information right now. I may have dropped, I've already lost maybe some of you. And I'm probably going to lose more of you as the information goes on because the truth is if you want to get into control of your thoughts and your anxiety at least a little bit, it's going to take time and it's going to take work. It's just the truth of it. If you want to get rid of your anxiety, if you want to work on self-improvement, all this stuff, you're going to have to put the time into it. If you hate writing or you think writing's boring or you think it's going to take a half hour of your time that you would rather spend doing something else like watching video games or The Office, that's fine. But in the long run, I think if you take the time to work through some of these things, we would all be, you know, society would be in a better place. So, all right. That being said, let's get into the information if you think it's important, I do too. So there's, there's these things called cognitive distortions. And these are basically the way our thoughts can be irrational. Um, and then when our thoughts are irrational, how they can influence our emotions. Um, so, you know, everybody has this. And I think you'll see once I go through them that they're, they're pretty common. And so what I like to do when I'm having, especially a day where I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, super overwhelmed with anxiety, the first thing that I do is I write a list of things that I I write my thoughts out. And it's just in its honesty, I list them. And so I'm going to, I'm going to take a little bit of time just to do that, to list out some of the things. Okay, so before I share my anxious thoughts with you, I'm going to go through uh, the cognitive distortions now. So the first one on the list is magnification and minimization. So according to this this document that I have, and I'm going to give credit to therapistaid.com, they published this and that's where I downloaded it, so... But there's, I have a book, um, and it'll be my book recommendation, I guess, for this episode, but it's, um, it also has these. So, so these are things you can Google, and you can see them, and, you know, this information is pretty readily, 
readily available. So you don't necessarily have to remember what I'm saying, but I do want to um, break it down for you so you understand. So this one is magnification and uh, minimization. So this would be exaggerating the importance of events. Um, so you might believe that your own achievements are unimportant or that your mistakes are excessively important. Um, a subcategory of this is catastrophizing, catastrophizing, geez Louise, I can't read, my apologies, catastrophizing, and that is seeing only the worst possible outcome of a situation. So if you made a mistake at work, immediately you think that you're going to get fired and you're not going to be able to afford your rent, and you know, that would be an example of that. Overgeneralization, which would be making broad interpretations from a single or a few events. So I felt awkward during my first job interview. So I'm always going to feel so awkward and I should not go on job interviews anymore. Magical thinking. And I really think that this one's huge. Um, I actually never realized how much I was doing this until I learned about it. But magical thinking is the belief that acts will influence unrelated situations. So this worksheet is saying, I'm a good person, bad things shouldn't happen to me. That's kind of a magical thing. But I think one of the biggest things with magical thinking uh, for me is like, I'm trying to think because I used to do this so much. I remember this being like a really, like if I did something, then something else would happen. Oh, okay. So here's a good one. I always got, I used to get worried about my parents passing away and I still worry about that. It's, it's definitely been something that is, uh, you know, a huge fear of mine and probably always will be and then until sadly it happens and my thinking would always be like say it was a busy day and I wanted to call my dad but I didn't get a chance to call him and I would feel like oh my god now that I didn't call him something is going to happen to him he's going to die and I realized that on the last day I didn't make time to spend to call my dad that is magical thinking. It's the idea that I think because I didn't call him that this is going to be the day that something happens. So it's the idea that our thoughts can control an outcome. Personalization is the next one. So the belief that one is responsible for out events outside of their control. Uh, so an example would be my mother is always upset. It must be that I have not done enough to help her. So that is huge too. I mean, that's when somebody's in a bad mood at work. You say hi to your coworker and they kind of give you the cold shoulder and you're like, whoa, oh man, they must not like me. I must have did something to annoy them yesterday. Something must be wrong with me. So it's taking other people's behaviors and internalizing them. The next one is jumping to conclusions. That means you're interpreting the meaning of the situation with little to no evidence. So something happens and automatically in your mind, you know why. Oh, that person's pissed off at me because I left the dishwasher full yesterday instead of taking the clean 
pleads out, I know that that's why they're mad at me. Say your spouse is mad at me. Well, you know you did that and you're already worried about it and now they're mad about something. So all of a sudden you think it's what you did. But you didn't ask them, so you don't know. So that's jumping to conclusions. And this comes in two subcategories. The first one is mind reading, which is interpreting the thoughts and beliefs of others without adequate evidence. So she would not go on a date with me. She must think I'm ugly. Same thing, you know, uh, I didn't empty the dishwasher. My husband must hate me. Fortune telling is the expectation that a situation will turn out badly without adequate evidence. I recently uh, was fortunate enough to be able to give a TED Talk on some of the experiences that I had in Milwaukee, and I really was appreciative of that. What I noticed a lot, that there was a lot of fortune-telling happening among the other speakers and myself. It's how everybody does it. In my mind, I was worried that um, people would look at my talk and think, hey, uh, she, so my, my talk, without getting too much into it, goes into a lot of racism and a lot of inner city violence. And for me, as a white person, I feel like I don't really have a voice in that story I have a voice, but um, it's not, it's tricky. It's tricky because I understand the history and I understand the feelings and I understand the past. And so, yeah, it is hard to speak about some of those things. So for me, I was going into that talk with the idea of, oh my God, everyone is going to take this and they're going to, I'm going to have backlash and I'm not going to like talk about it right and they're not going to understand what I'm saying so that's fortune telling right I had I thought that the situation would turn out badly without evidence emotional reasoning is the assumption that we're almost done I know it's a lot but I really do think that if you can think critically about your thoughts it can help so even just having this information next time you have a thought you might be like oh this sounds like that that's my hope but emotionally reasoning emotional reasoning the assumption that emotions reflect the way that things are, are. I feel like a bad friend, so therefore I must be a bad friend. Do this all the time. All the time. I will apologize about things I did six months ago because in my mind I'm like, I feel bad for what I did. Now that person is still upset about it. They must not like me. I'm a bad friend. Yeah, that's huge for me. Disqualifying the positive. Recognizing that only negative aspects of a situation while ignoring the positive. So say your boss comes to you and says, hey, you're doing an amazing, amazing job. You know, your, your numbers are great, feel great. There are There is this mistake you keep making, and, you know, I've told you about it a few times, but I don't know if you're getting it. I'm going to coach you on it. But don't take it too bad because, you know, you have all this other great stuff going. Then I could go home and cry to my mom. Oh, my God, I'm doing so bad at work. I keep making mistakes. My boss came to me, told me that I'm making mistakes. I'm probably going to get fired. Blah, 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 blah. Well, your boss actually just told you you're doing a really good job. You just chose to only pay attention to the negative. So that would be disqualifying the positive. Should statements, oh my lord, should, the word should, oh my god, it kills me, kills me. The belief that things should be a certain way, should, 
I hear this so much in so many people. Well, I didn't want to go out last night, but my boyfriend did, and I feel horrible because I should want to do what he wants to do. Or, I hate this job. It makes me so miserable. I cry myself to sleep every night. I want to quit and follow my art, but my I know that I should be worried about money, blah, blah, blah. It's everywhere. And the thing with these should statements is that we're putting pressure on ourselves because then we're thinking we should have did something differently. A lot of times when I'm sad, I'm like, I should be happy though. I should, I should be happy. Wow, not only are you unhappy right now, but you're shaming yourself for being unhappy. No, there is no should. We just are. We're in this moment as it is. If we're sad, we're sad. If we're happy, we're happy. If we hate the job, we hate the job. There is no should. If, if there's a should in your mind, you have to ask yourself, who is saying that? Is it you? Is it God? Is it society? Who's telling you that you should be this way? Is it you? Is it accurate? All right. Last one. Last one. All or nothing thinking. This would be thinking in absolutes, such as always, never, every. I know that when I've been in in relationships, I've had this a lot. So if I say I get and I I pick a fight with my significant other, which I, you know, it happens. If you're in a relationship, then you know it happens. But I don't always do that. But on the day that I do that, when I pick the unnecessary fight and then later I'm thinking it over, I'm like, oh my God, why did I do that? I always do that. I always pick fights with him. Really? Because I think last Saturday you guys sat around and watched movies and you were fine and I don't think that you picked a fight with him that day. So you don't always do this. But you do do it. So it's a thing. But it's not an all or nothing thing. All right? So that's that's where we're at with the cognitive distortions. So in order to figure out your thoughts, you might want to make a list of what they are. And I've had very long lists before. And so, yeah, it takes some time. But today, the things that I wrote down on my little list is... So, yeah, so my parents will get the virus... Um, my coworkers think I'm crazy for being so worried. I should be in a better position in life, but I'm not. If I think negative thoughts about the virus, it will get worse. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take each statement and we're going to go through it. And I'm going to say, I'm going to write down next to it how strongly I feel about it. And I'm going to do it in a percentage out of 100. So, if I think negative thoughts about the virus, it'll get worse. So, say I believe this 70%. So, I 70% believe that if I keep thinking negatively about this virus, then it will get worse somehow. My coworkers think I'm crazy for being so worried. 
I would say that say that will be a I don't know say it's an 80. I get a lot of anxiety when I'm talking to my boss about the virus because my coworkers are listening and they think I'm crazy. By the way, this is all hyperbolic or not hyperbolic. Oh my god. This is all um This is all made up is what I'm trying to say. And that's only because I don't, you know, I love my coworkers. I'm just saying it not because I'm worrying about you guys thinking about my negative thoughts. It's just like I don't want anyone at work to think that I feel this way. But I think it's a good example of how we feel. So anyway, say I believe that 80%. I should be, my next thought is I should be in a better life position, but I'm not. That's a should. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say 90% because sometimes I feel like I should be married or I should have a boyfriend or whatever and if I go near my parents they will get the virus and I'd say I say that I believe that 60 percent all right so now we know how much we really feel it and and the thing is these things aren't rational so you shouldn't be looking at these thoughts and then getting mad at yourself you know the the point of this exercise is to go through it and to get a better grip on the thoughts that are in your head and to realize what's true and what's not. So it's not to write these down and then feel worse about yourself that you're feeling this way. That's counterintuitive. So just make the list, do it with self-love, know that you're doing the best you can, and just, you know, objectively go through them. So, so okay, so the 70%, if I think negative thoughts about the virus, it will get worse. So I'm going to go back to my list. And I know I can see, and sometimes there are more than one, but I can see that it's magical thinking. So the belief that my acts will influence unrelated situations. So if I have negative thoughts, it's going to create a negative outcome. So I'm going to write next to my thought, I'm going to write magical thinking because I've identified the irrationality. The next one, my coworkers think I'm crazy for being so worried. So that would be mind reading. So it's jumping to conclusions and then with the subcategory mind reading, I'm interpreting the thoughts and beliefs of others without adequate evidence. I don't know what they're thinking. I can't ever know what they're thinking. So I'm going to write down mind reading. The next one, I should be in a better position in life, but I'm not. Oh, wow, that should statement, that should statement. Also, this one's two different ones. Because it's also disqualifying the positive. Yes, maybe I feel like I should be in a relationship or I feel lonely, blah, 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 blah. But I've also accomplished a lot. So disqualifying the positive. And if I go near my parents, they will get the virus. That is jumping to conclusion, fortune telling. I'm predicting an outcome based on my own thoughts. 
All right, so now that we've gone through, we've discovered what the cognitive distortions were. We're on to the last, well, second to last step. So now I go through the, the negative thoughts that I had and I flip them. And I rewire them. I reframe them. Change the narrative. So I'm going to do it with the first one. If I think negative thought about the virus, it will get worse. When I wrote it down, I believed it 70%. And then I went back, as I said before, and I realized that it's magical thinking. So now I'm going to write the counter to it. So if I think a negative thought about the virus, it will get worse. So this is what I'm going to write. Rationally, I know to get the virus, you need to come in contact with somebody who has it. Therefore, my thoughts can't give power to the virus. I do want to say that, you know, if you're on the spiritual side of things, you may have a lot of thoughts about your, or have a lot of thoughts about your thoughts and whether they impact things. But if we're looking at the rational, rational down to earth side of things and you have anxiety about something, then I think maybe for this, we should just, you know, kind of stick to the facts, you know. So rationally, I know to get the virus, you need to be in contact with this person, blah, 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 blah. If I... There is no evidence, I'm going to write, there is no evidence that my negative thoughts impact COVID-19. Now, this may seem really dumb, you know, on the outside especially, but, you know, these are, this is what our brains are telling us. And that's the thing is it should, it should feel dumb when you're done at it. Because now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to that 70%. I'm going to reread the thing. I think my negative thought about the the virus will make it get worse. 70%. Magical thinking. Rationally, I know you can't get the virus. There's no evidence that my negative thoughts will impact the virus. So do I still believe it's 70%? Fuck no. Mm, Take it down to a 20. Still worried, but not as. Okay, so next one. My coworkers think I'm crazy for being so worried. This was mind reading. I believed it 80%. So now I'm going to write, I have no way to tell what my coworkers think. Whether... They think I'm crazy. I know I'm just trying to keep myself and others safe by asking questions. So now I reframe that. So now I realize that I'm doing something for myself by asking these questions. And I can't tell if they think I'm crazy, but that doesn't mean that they do. So... That was 80%. Now, you know, it's down to a 20. And maybe it's that maybe I still think that they think I'm crazy, but now I realize that it doesn't really matter because I'm doing it for my own reasons. 
I should be in a better position in life, but I'm not. I believed this 90%. It's a should statement, and I was disqualifying the positive. So I'm going to write, where I am is where I'm supposed to be. I've accomplished a lot, and my timeline is my own. There's nowhere else I should be. So this one, I'm going to go all the way down to 0%. So I thought I was 90% worried about this. Now I'm at a 0. And the last one. If I go near my parents, they will get the virus. That is fortune teller telling, and I believed it 60%. So I'm going to write. During this time, I am doing my best to social distance. And if I do my part, my parents will at least be safe for me. So now I'm, you know, I'm still worried about my parents, but I'm not really worried about me giving them the virus, so that's going to go down to a 10%, because I'm always going to be a little bit worried. All right, so now already I feel like a new woman, and like my anxiety has gone down at least a few notches, and yes, it took some time, but I think it was worth it. That's my little exercise for you. I have a lot more, but I think I'm just going to, you know, release bonus episodes as I can, as I go. I wanted to give you one last little tip, though, to kind of help you if you feel like you're in a moment of panic. Um, Especially if, you know, things are stressful right now. Like, whether you have the virus or you don't have the virus, like, whatever, you know, workplaces are changing, schools are, just everything's changing. So if you feel overwhelmed, my suggestion to you would be to just breathe through whatever's happening. And when you can, find a quiet place, whether it's in the bathroom, down a hallway, in your car, walk. And then look at your hand and because your hand has five fingers, you're going to remember the five, four, three, two, one rule, which will keep you grounded when your anxiety seems to be getting the best out of you. So the five, four, three, two, one thing. So five is going to be five things you can see in your immediate present. So I see uh, a painting of mine, I see my record player, I see my couch, I see my computer, and I see the microphone. Okay, so that's already bringing me back into focus into the present moment, right? So whatever my anxiety is already, now I'm focusing on my record player, my painting, blah, blah, blah. Now you're going to look at four things that you can hear, if there is. Usually, 
actually, I'm doing this wrong, sorry. It's four things you can touch. And we're not really supposed to be touching a lot of things, but you can touch yourself. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That was not what I meant to say. Well, you could touch yourself, but that's not what I suggest in a public place. Anyway, so you're going to touch four things. Um, so right now I'm touching my laptop. I feel my hair. I am touching my tongue to my teeth. Feeling my teeth. And I just touched my nose. Okay, so now I, I see things. Now I'm touching, you know, so I'm here. Now it's the um, three things that you hear. So right now I hear... I hear the humming from my heat. And I hear a bird chirping outside. That one kind of takes a while. And I hear my own voice. Then you're going to smell two things. So I smell the essential oils on my fingertips that I used earlier. And I smell uh, some leftover hairspray that's in my hair. And then the last one is taste. So if you can find something to taste, like a candy bar or something, or if you can't, then um, just think of a food you could taste right now if, if one was there. So it's just to bring you back to your senses. I think you guys get the picture, though. It's just like an exercise to try, and, and, and I always interchange them, too. Like, I don't remember which one's supposed to be the 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. But it's basically going through your senses and picking out a few things in your immediate present that can um, that can bring those senses alive and remind you of where you actually are rather than what thoughts are telling you in your head. All right. I hope that this was at least a little bit helpful for you and not in vain. I am going to recommend this week the um, Anxiety and Phobia Workbook. This is a, it's a, a pretty big book. You can order it off Amazon. Um, but it has so many exercises and really breaks down um, anxiety or if you have phobias, how it gives you a bunch of exercises like this. And I found it in the beginning. Um, I, I purchased that, but I still have it and I still reference it. I believe it has the cognitive distortions in it. It has a lot of what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend that. I'll put a link to that in my notes. If you're interested in uh, those worksheets that I mentioned, feel free to reach out to me at howwegetby.podcast at gmail.com or reach out to the Facebook page. I would be happy to provide any resources that I have that I think may help. I think that with the anxiety of everything that's happening around us, we're in an uncertain time and our day-to-day life is changing um, because of a virus beyond any of our controls. So my goal during all of this is just to try to really 
look at the information that I'm intaking through the media, through my friends and family and other people who are worried, and the thoughts that I'm formulating myself to create more anxiety in a situation that is already has enough anxiety in itself. So the reason I am trying to uh, relay this information is just so we can all um, remember to kind of keep our heads about us and take some time to recognize what the rational things we are thinking are and what the irrational things are think uh, we're thinking of. So thank you for tuning in. I hope this was helpful. If you have any questions, let me know. I want to thank uh, Joe Burke, who does the music for the episode. He is a local musician. He has an album called Mystic Immediately. I think that that album can ease your anxiety for um, a bit. I actually listened to it on my record player yesterday, and it put me in a great mood, so I suggest that. If you're interested in making a one-time donation to the show, please reach out to me at my email address or through the Facebook page. It'll help me with things such as equipment um, and providing me with resources to bring more information to you about mental health and to also uh, speak to more people in longer distances, granted, once we are able to travel again. I think that's it. Thanks for hanging in with me. I hope it was helpful. I hope you have a beautiful week.